Welcome to the radio broadcast of Pineview Baptist Church, a growing community of faith in the Belfast community of Goldsboro. We are located at 3357 U.S. Highway 117 North in Goldsboro. We invite you to find out more about our congregation by visiting us at facebook.com forward slash Pineview Baptist Goldsboro. Join us now for our weekly message. O Lord, our God, how majestic is thy name in all the earth, who has displayed thy splendor above the heavens. From the mouths of infants and nursing babes, thou hast established strength because of thine adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moons and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man? that thou dost take thought of him, and the son of man, that thou dost care for him. Yet thou hast made him a little lower than God, and dost crown him with glory and majesty. Thou dost make him to rule over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the earth. And today we're going to be praying, uh, begin praying for church planters and missionaries right here in our own country, those who are doing the difficult work of planting uh, churches in unreached places. And today's missionary church planter is Abraham Diali. And he serves with International Fellowship Church in Cleveland, Ohio. And he's asking that we pray that God will provide what is needed to continue to develop the infrastructure of our young church. Pray the meeting of these tangible needs will further our gospel witness among the Nepali-speaking refugee population in Cleveland. And so before we read God's Word and pray over our time of God's Word, I want to pray for church planters today, so I invite you to join with me in doing that. Dear God, our Father, we come to you today to pray for others who are doing the work of ministry. It is not enough that we only pray for ourselves in the tasks that you've called us to. And so we pray today for Abraham Diali, who is a church planter with International Fellowship Church in Cleveland, Ohio. God, that you would help him as they develop this young church, that you would meet their needs as they seek to further the gospel among the Nepali people. Lord, bless them in their efforts. Bless the city of Cleveland through them. And now, God, as we prepare to study your word together for a few moments, we ask you, Lord, that you would give us ears that hear and hearts that understand. You would work in us through this text today. It is in the name of Christ Jesus we pray and ask these things God's people said. Amen and amen. If you have your Bibles with you or perhaps a pew Bible nearby, I invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel according to Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to read the first 12 verses together, so I'll give you a moment to find that. Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And it says that now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, <clears throat> in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? 
For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people. He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And when they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they all fell down. Excuse me. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. May God add a blessing. To the reading of Scripture. I had the privilege to attend a Christmas play yesterday. You say on Christmas Day? Yes, on Christmas Day. Something that we had never done before, but on Christmas morning after families had sort of gathered together with their own family, with their children, we went over to our friend's house for just a few moments. We, we have been blessed over the last couple of years with some wonderful Christian friends, some wonderful families that we've connected with and are able to fellowship with. And um, one of the, uh, one, actually Charity's best friends, she had decided, well, on Christmas morning after the gifts are open, we want to just have a, a very quick get together with these families. And so we did that. And um, it was Charity's friend and her family, um, um, an old lifelong um, grade school friend of mine and his family and then just a few others, and we had a, a very quick breakfast, opened a couple of gifts, and then we went on our way. But one of the things that Sheila, Charity's friend, had determined that she wanted to do with so many children there that morning is she wanted to have a Christmas play. And so her family has five children. The other family has three. Grace was there. We, we're the, the weirdos with only one. And she's the oldest, and so Grace was the narrator. And the Christmas play went off about as you'd expect it would with very young children. But boy, it was fun. The shepherds stole the show. They were, they were a blast. They really were. Baby Jesus was there in a manger. And Joseph and Mary, my little buddy Henry, played Joseph. And boy, it was just a lot of fun as Grace narrated. And they exclaimed, I've seen the Messiah. I've seen the Messiah. What a wonderful Christmas morning activity that was. But I thought about it later last night as I was reflecting on this text. It was missing one thing that we often have in our Christmas stories, and that is the three kings, the magi. The magi, also referred to as wise men or kings, oftentimes get left out, don't they? Even though they visited Jesus after his birth, and we know that it wasn't on the night of his birth, 
even though they brought gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. The three gifts is where we get the idea that there were only three of them. And the truth is there could have been many, many more than that. We don't know that for sure either. But they are an important part of the Advent story, the Christmas tradition, even if they really only have like one famous hymn that they're known for. We do know that they were probably not really kings. They were more than likely astrological advisors to kings. And in the New Bible Commentary, it reads like this. It says, Their insights were derived from sophisticated astronomical observation combined with a sort of interpretation which present-day horoscopes provide. By such calculations made in the East, probably Mesopotamia, modern Iraq, they concluded that an important royal birth had taken place in Palestine, which called for a state visit. Matthew clearly sees this as an acceptable Gentile response to genuine revelation, despite its dubious means. Their identification as kings probably stems from Old Testament writings such as Isaiah chapter 60, which refers to kings coming to the brightness of your dawn, bearing gold and frankincense and myrrh. Further identification of the Magi possibly stems from Psalm 72 and verse 11 that says, May all kings fall down before Him. This line from the ESV expository commentary was particularly intriguing to me. It says that the Magi, or wise men, were royal counselors. At best, they were learned and prudent. At worst, they were charlatans, sycophants, and brutes. Whatever their character, the line between astrology and astronomy was thin, if only because stargazing was respectable. Scripture prohibits and mocks astrology. Yet God reversed expectations and spoke to stargazers in the language they understood. Listen, thereby calling Gentiles to Jesus. Amen. And He is still calling we Gentiles to Jesus today. And this story points us to part of our calling. We do know that they were wise because there was much wisdom in their decisions and their actions. As we look back to our text for just a moment, we are going to see how they worshipped the Lord. And in verses 1 and 2, it says that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. At this point, Herod the king freaks out, but he tells them to go to Bethlehem, and he tells them to let him know when they find this child so that he too can worship, although he really is seeking to kill Jesus the Messiah. And then it goes on to tell us in verse 9, if you're following along, <clears throat> after listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. 
Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. We see in those verses that the Magi worshipped through sacrifice. The Magi sacrificed a great deal to worship the Lord. They sacrificed in, in two specific ways that I'll share with you this morning. The very first thing that we can surmise from this text is that they sacrificed their time. The journey that they went on to worship the Lord would have been a long and an arduous one. It was not a simple drive to Fremont or a simple drive to Kinston. It was much more difficult than that. The text does not tell us how long, but it was probably over a number of many months and weeks. And they didn't arrive to worship the Lord until Mary and Joseph were now in a home. They were no longer in that stable. Baby Jesus was no longer in that cradle surrounded by the smells and sights of farm animals. We think that because in our Christmas depictions we often see the wise men coming shortly after the shepherds, don't we? But that is not how the story played out. They saw the star and they began a long journey. And I don't know about you, but traveling by camels for many months is probably no walk in a park. I complain about driving to Florida, which is just a few hours. We complain about driving. I, I'm sure Pastor Tim is not in, in, enthralled about driving back from Michigan, which is less than 24 hours. Many of us go on these trips in air-conditioned vehicles, and we have DVD entertainment systems in the car to keep the kids busy, and we're, we're very comfortable most of the time, but we don't like that. Try a camel. Try a camel. <laughs> But these guys spent weeks, months walking, riding on the back of camels. Why? So that they could worship in the presence of a new king. They sacrificed their time. Time that they could have spent in the comfort of their own homes, in the presence of their families, relaxing and enjoying their wealth, perhaps. And so that points us to a question today, brothers and sisters. Are we worshiping the Lord by sacrificing our time? I think to the stories of many of the Puritans who sacrificed so much. Many of the stories that we read in books such as Fox's Book of Martyrs. People who were so determined to serve the Lord that it did not matter what the government said. It did not matter when persecution came. It did not matter what was before them. They would worship and they would stand. But the modern church has become weak. We've allowed a, a virus to keep us from worshiping. In many instances. And I, I know. I know that there are real concerns there. Hear me brothers and sisters. I understand when people are sick. And I, I'm not mad at anyone for staying home. If they are sick. Or if they feel that they're getting sick. But going a year. A year and a half. Without meeting with the local church. Is sinful and wrong. And we've seen it in our own nation. We've seen it in our own country. Thank God not here. 
But are we worshiping with our time? Are we determined to sacrifice? Are we determined to gather with the local assembly, with the body of Christ, to, to, to give our efforts, our energy, our time for the kingdom of God? Because it is an act of worship. And so the parallel for us is, are we regularly, consistently in the house of the Lord? Are we serving the Lord? Are we serving the church? Are we serving others? Are we doing what He's called us to do? The Magi gave a sacrifice of time. But we also see in the text that they gave a sacrifice of treasure. You say, oh no, the pastor's going to preach about money. <laughs> well, stay with me for a moment. In Matthew chapter 2 and verse 11, the latter part, it says, Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. They sacrificed their time. They sought out the Lord. And then they bowed down to this newborn babe, the Messiah, the Christ child. And they opened before him gifts of treasure they presented him with something tangible, not just time. There were many things that they could have done with those treasures. But instead they used it to humbly worship the newborn king. And the parallel for us there is that there is no better use for our money than worshiping the king. And how we spend our money is worship to the Lord. It doesn't mean that we have to give every dime to the church every week. That's not what I'm saying. But I want us to understand a principle of stewardship that we see in this text this morning. That everything that we use our money on is an act of worship and that we are to be wise stewards. And when we understand that everything that we have is from God, Amen. it is so much easier to bow before Him and to present it to Him. I'm not speaking about a tithe this morning. I'm not talking about a fixed percentage. I'm talking about a lifestyle of worship that says, God, I give back to You because You have blessed me with so much. Do we realize that God doesn't need our stuff? Because it's all His anyways. But that He is calling us to sacrificial giving. That He's calling us to sacrificial worship. And to do those things that He lays on our hearts. One of the reasons that we're to work, the Bible tells us, is that so we have something to give to those who are in need. In Ephesians 4 and 28, it tells us, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. When we do that, it is an act of worship, because it shows that we trust in the Lord to meet our needs, and not in the money, not in the job, not in the stuff. They worshipped with a sacrifice of time. They worshipped with a sacrifice of treasure. And so I want to ask you this morning, are we worshipping the Lord fully? 
Are we worshiping him in all aspects of our lives? Are we willing to give more than just a financial gift? Are we willing to have some skin invested in the game? To do the work that he's calling us to do? To give of our time. If we are going to worship the Lord fully in this new year, we need to submit our will to his We need to voluntarily place His will as the priority in our lives. We need to take a back seat and realize that, as I say many times, it's not about us. I know that may sound harsh, but it's not about you. And I've got a finger pointing right back at me. It's not about me. It's about Him. Worship Him, brothers and sisters, fully. Moment by moment, realize that worship is not just an act that we do on Sunday mornings. But live obediently to God and His Word. Submit your will to His. And as we see in the wisdom of these counselors, these magi, sacrifice your time and your treasure. If we're going to get back to the purpose of Christmas, it has to start with worship. And as we worship the Lord, we are drawn into a deeper relationship with Him. And so I would encourage you to be like Joshua today who says, You know what? Choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me, and as for my house, we will serve the Lord. We've received our gifts. I've heard some of you speaking about them this morning. And there's nothing wrong with that. I got some pretty good gifts myself. Some of you gifted me some wonderful things. And I I thank God for those things. It shows that we love others, that we care about others when we give a gift with a proper heart. But the luster and the shine of those things will fade in the days and weeks to come. The toys will break. The food will be eaten. And they will leave behind (laughs) their damage as well with new poundage coming into the new year. But hear me this morning, brothers and sisters, God and His Word will stand. And in this story, we see a fulfillment of the promise that the nations would come to the light of the Messiah. Isaiah 60 and verse 3, Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Thanks be to God for that truth. And do you know how we become a part of that? How we help to spread the gospel message? We begin with worship. Because worship is an act of submission. We are submitting ourselves to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the Bible promises us that if we lift up His name, He will draw men to Himself. So submit today to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Because in doing so, we point others to the Messiah. That's it. Christmas has come and gone. 
It'll come around again. The excitement will return. The lights will be hung. The tree will be trimmed. But it's my prayer today that this expectant hope that we have looked at throughout the season of Advent will follow you throughout this new year. This is God's word. It is for us, his people. Thanks be to God for it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for scripture and I pray today it will be in us. That we will understand the need today to worship our Lord in spirit and in truth. And worship oftentimes involves sacrifice. It involves lifestyle decisions, changes. Where we say, you know what, Lord, your, your purpose, your kingdom is more important than my time. Where we say, Lord, the things that you have blessed me with, whether it is little or whether it is much, it is an opportunity for me to proclaim the gospel to someone else. Whether that is money in our bank accounts or gifts that you've given us, talents that you've given us. Baking a cake can be an act of worship. Fixing someone, something for an elderly person can be an act of worship. So Lord, help us today to realize that worship is a lifestyle. It is an all-encompassing thing. And may the totality of our days be lived out for your glory, for your purposes. We ask these things in the name of your Son and our blessed Savior. It is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Pineview gathers for worship each Sunday, beginning at 9.30 a.m. for morning prayer. Sunday school classes for all ages begin at 9.45, followed by our worship gathering at 11 a.m. We are located at 3357 U.S. Highway 117 North in Goldsboro, North Carolina. We are a Southern Baptist congregation dedicated to expository preaching and biblical worship. We invite you to join us next Sunday. If you would like more information about Pineview Baptist Church, we invite you to follow us on social media. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Pineview Baptist Goldsboro. There you will find information about our service times, upcoming events, directions to our church, and videos of our Sunday services.